Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 206, which I'm calling Monkey Stave. Now, the title has absolutely nothing to do with this episode. I got that title from a dream I had last week. In the dream, I had moved to a new house within a gated community, and that gated community was named Monkey Stave. Monkey was spelled M-U-N-K-E-E instead of the correct M-O-N-K-E-Y. I was actually able to read that weird name as I drove through the front gate of the community towards my house at one point in a dream. I'd heard that you weren't supposed to be able to read within dreams, and usually I couldn't, but I was able to do so in this particular dream. So what does it all mean? Well, I have no idea. Well, Monkey Steve would make a great name for a comedy podcast. I think I should get the show started now. What do you think? Yes! Yes! All right, calm down. Before I get started, I'd like to thank the person who sent over a donation for the podcast last week. My podcast hosting service, which takes a chunk out of that donation, doesn't share the name of the person who donated. So whoever you are and wherever you are, you have my grateful appreciation. If you really want a shout-out, just drop me an email and I'll be more than happy to oblige. I also have a correction. Last episode, I had stated that the audio drama podcast Wolf 359 had run from 2014 until 2021. The last episode of that podcast was actually published in 2017. The RSS feed has had previews of new shows and special announcements since then. Either way, it's still a long run for a drama podcast. Tech news. In Apple news, or should I say rumors this week, Max Tech and the Electronics Times are claiming that an Apple Smart Ring release is looking more likely than not. Some years back, Apple had filed a patent for such a device, and most tech press heroes thought that the ring would act as a controller for its then-upcoming Vision Pro AR goggles. Well, that didn't happen now, did it? No. Well, the Vision Pro did happen, but not the controller ring part. Upon digging more into the patent filing, it is now assumed that this will be an actual smart ring with the usual health features, but with complete with integration into Apple Health. That means you can close your exercise rings and track your activities and sleep with the data syncing seamlessly with the Apple Health app. There will be no subscription charges. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Aura. 
The, the ring will also feature extraordinarily long battery life and add blood pressure monitoring to the usual heart rate, blood oxygen monitoring, etc. As of now, you have to depend on an Apple Watch for all those things. Supposedly, you'll be able to use Apple Pay with the ring also. I'm happy with my Aura Smart Ring at the moment, but I gotta tell you, if all this stuff about an Apple Smart Ring is true, I would switch to it from my Aura and ditch my Apple Watch in favor of the Smart Ring, the Apple Smart Ring. Yeah, I'd miss some of the features from the watch, but, you know, I'd get over them. I would really like to get back to wearing some of my high-end mechanical watches that I've collected over the years. We'll just have to wait and see if this pans out. If you're an established smart ring company, well, I'd be worried. If you're a startup, well, I'd advise you to pivot. Update. Just before I sat down to record, the Apple smart ring rumors have gained some steam with more mainstream sources picking the story up. CDNet has even called the release of an Apple smart ring as being imminent, predicting Apple will announce this product at this year's WWDC in July. So it seems like this might be for real. CNET, that OG of tech websites, is reporting that Apple's upcoming iOS 17.4 update adds a new security feature to iMessage so that when quantum computing becomes a thing, your messages will have strong enough encryption to prevent your messages from being compromised. Yes. Apple is calling this new encryption protocol PQ3. Supposedly, quantum computing will put unheard of computing power into the hands of people by the 2030s if estimates are correct. You may be wondering why Apple would implement this now. Well, that's because of the Harvest Now, Decrypt Later attack strategy that seems to be occurring at this very moment. Like the name infers, nefarious actors are currently vacuuming up all the data from individuals that they possibly can, in the hopes of being able to have access to tools in the future that will enable them to crack any encryption method employed at this time. This move by Apple is a good thing, as governments and the like are moving towards wanting complete control of info and data. They want to control the info you receive and want to know everything you communicate about. Hello there. Well, Apple isn't perfect. They sure are far ahead of most large tech companies in regards to privacy, in my opinion. Then again, if presented with a warrant from a law enforcement agency, Apple will happily hand over your de-encrypted data to them. So there's that. iOS and iPad OS 17.4, along with Watch OS 10.4, which includes the enhanced PQ3 messaging protocol, are available as a public beta as I speak. The Mac version doesn't appear to be out as a public beta yet, though. Google's recently renamed and relaunched Gemini AI has found itself in some hot water. It seems that the chatbot, or whatever they call it, could not and would not acknowledge the accomplishments of Caucasian males refusing to provide results, and if asked to generate images of historical Caucasian figures, Gemini would race or gender swap the figure, and sometimes did both. What? The examples that I've seen show a Pope and a George Washington being of African descent, and a Pope being both female and of Indian descent. TheVerge.com asked the chatbot to generate an image of a 1943 German soldier and received images of people of color dressed in World War II German uniforms. After the backlash, Google has suspended the Gemini chatbot's ability to generate images until they can fix it. The CEO of controversial social media platform Gab thanked Google because his company saw an increase of 40,000 users of Gab's own AI chatbot. This incident highlights the 
danger of AI providing false and incorrect information. You know, this wasn't Gemini's first go-around with embarrassing mistakes. When a chatbot was known as Bard, it returned incorrect answers to mathematical and other questions it was asked. You know, computer programmers in the old days used to have a saying, garbage in, garbage out. Perhaps the brainiacs over at the Googleplex should put their personal prejudices and political agendas aside while working on AI projects. In fact, all projects. Well, this is what happens when you create a highly political workspace and your workers consider themselves activists. These missteps help to make Google's AI efforts seem to be a joke and not to be trusted, or at least less trustworthy than its competitors. I know that's how I feel about it, and it's making me reevaluate my general opinion of Google. What say you about all this brouhaha? Tech Radar has the following headline Signal officially abandons phone number sharing in the name of privacy. Well, Signal Messenger looks to have adopted the same privacy model as Threema and the now defunct for private users anyway, Wicker Messengers. That's always been my hang up with Signal the need to register your phone number in order to use the app. So going forward, you will be identified by your username instead of your phone number. Sounds like great news, right? Not so fast. You'll still need to register for Signal with your phone number in order to start using the messaging service, though it won't be visible to other users. Messaging apps like Threema, for example, generates a one-time key when you register, a key that can never be changed. You have to use that same key when installing Threema onto a new device. Now you do have the option to associate a phone number and or a email address with your Threema account in order to more easily find contacts. But in my opinion, this is a less secure way to do it. Threema can sync your contacts, but you can disable this within the app also. You verify contacts on Threema by using a Threema-generated QR code and can add contacts in person using that method. In-person adding of contacts is the most secure way to do it, of course. While Signal has taken a step in the right direction, don't think that your communications are unable to be monitored by authority and other nefarious organizations and people. Just saying. Tech I'm using. I experienced a problem with my Apple AirPods Pro second generation last week. This was the first problem I've had with the earbuds since buying them upon their release. I was perusing the news one morning on my iPad Pro Sans AirPods and when I got an alert saying that my right AirPod was down to a 10% charge. That was strange because my AirPods were both nestled in their charging case, being charged on my Balance branded nightstand 3-in-1 charger. Or were they? After verifying that they indeed were charging, I ignored the alert. A while later, I received yet another alert which warned me that the right AirPod was now down to 2% charge. Well, I took this alert a little more seriously. I retrieved my AirPods from the charger and opened the case up. While the charging case itself was fully charged, the internal red, or is it orange, charging light was still on. If the AirPods were fully charged, the light would be showing green. I eliminated the charging stand as the problem by placing the AirPods on the charging area of my lovely wife's balance charger, which is identical to mine except in color, and I got the same result. I wondered to myself if the AirPods, particularly the right one, was faulty. Well, this had me cursing my bad luck as Apple is close to releasing an updated version of the AirPods Pro later this year. I didn't want to have to purchase another set of second-generation AirPods Pro with the new generation's release on the horizon. 
I had used my AirPods the previous evening while watching television and hadn't used them since. I checked to see if the errant right AirPod was somehow still connected to my Apple TV box or iPad Pro, and that result returned a negative. Getting desperate at this point, I decided to check my iPhone, and bingo! The right AirPod was indeed connected to it for some reason. I disconnected it from the phone, placed it back in its charging case, which resolved the whole issue. Well, I haven't had a problem with them since. The weird thing is that I hadn't connected my AirPods to my phone for ages. I don't really use them that much with the phone. Just occasionally, usually if I do a walking workout at the mall while my wife shops. And that was something that hasn't happened in a while. I mean, the walking part. I use the AirPods mainly while consuming content on my Apple TV or iPad. When I work out, which is usually at home, I utilize my Beats Fitness Pros along with my iPhone. The only explanation I can think of is I had updated my iPhone at evening to the latest iOS beta while my AirPods were still connected to my Apple TV box. Perhaps that was the cause. Well, only your hairdresser knows at this point. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a problem with AirPods such as this one? With all the talk of AI as an operating system last week, it got me to wondering about what is probably the number two most popular operating system behind Windows. And that would be Linux. Yes. No. Huh? Anyway, most probably think that Mac OS is in the second slot, but I'm not sure of that, at least in real life, as the cool kids like to say these days. No. I've played around with Linux in the past, mainly Mint OS, and I must say I enjoyed it. The open source development community is so large in the world of Linux, I would assume that they are developing some sort of AI for the operating system. I just haven't heard anything about such AI developments for any version of Linux. Then again, I haven't been paying much attention to Linux lately. I guess I'll just have to start doing that. Yes. I finally got to see a Peloton bike in person last week during a visit to Dick's Sporting Goods. I've never had seen a real live Peloton bike before. It was just the standard model, not the top-of-the-line model. Well, the construction was equal to the quality of my sole-branded indoor cycle, but I was able to adjust the Peloton better for comfort than I can the sole bike. The sole's handlebars don't adjust high enough for my particular frame, which forces me to lean more forward than I would on a bike, at least any bike I've ever ridden before. I can adjust the seat more forward, but then my knees take a hit. Anyway, there, there might be a Peloton in my future after all. Probably when I manage to move from New York. I'd probably go for the top-of-the-line Bike Plus if I ever decide to actually buy a Peloton. A couple of episodes ago, well, maybe more than a couple, I don't know. Time has been flying since I've retired. Anyway, I mentioned how excited I was about the new lineup of field recorders from Zoom, called the Essential Series. The body designs have been updated, along with the screens, and they now feature 32-bit float recording, which can't clip your audio, or at least that's the theory. I also mentioned that as soon as Amazon listed the H1 model for sale, well, I would buy one. Well, the new H1 is listed on Amazon, but it's more as a pre-order because the ship date is late March or early April. I figure I'll just hold off until Father's Day in June. By then, the first reviews will be in and perhaps the price will decrease a bit. This next bloviation could go in the podcasting section, but it is tech-related some, somewhat. This Valentine's Day came and the one who must be obeyed gave me her permission to buy myself something in honor of this made-up occasion. At first I was going to go for the Zoom H1 field recorder I was just talking about, 
but that April ship date meant that I wouldn't receive it on time. Instead, I decided on splurging on top-of-the-line XLR cables for my microphone. How exciting, I know. Well, the Mogami brand is supposedly the pinnacle of audio cabling, so I went for it. Now, I already use WBC cables, which are supposedly made from the exact same components of Mogami cables, but don't sport the Mogami name etched in gold on the sleeves of the cable next to the connectors. I purchased a 3 and 6 foot version of the cable, and though I ordered them from Amazon, I didn't receive them until mid last week. Prime, go figure. Upon receiving them, I set up a test to ascertain any difference between the WBC and the Megamis. The Megami cables cost around double of what the WBC cables cost. Still with me? <sighs> the construction quality appears to be the same, and I installed the cables in the two inputs of my audio interface. I adjusted the gain and other parameters to match each other, fired up the old digital audio workstation, and using my ElectroVoice RE20, proceeded to test the cables out. The results? Oh, I really don't know. To these old fart ears, which are shot, the Megami cables sounded a bit quieter and very slightly more detailed than the WBC cables, but not twice as better than them. Certainly not worth double the price. Surprisingly, the audio signal recorded louder using the WBC cables, and that might explain the increase in noise. Basically, there were no major differences in the two brands of cables, real or perceived. Audiences will not be able to hear a difference anyway, but I knew this going in. So, if you're a podcaster and want some good cables, save yourself some hard-earned cash and go for the WBC cables. Oh, if you wondered, WBC stands for World's Best Cables. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertainment news. If rumors from adweek.com are to be believed... Amazon will be getting rid of its Freevee streaming service. If you are unaware, Freevee is Amazon's ad-supported streaming service. I've watched a couple of series on it, uh, Bosch Legacy, which is a continuation of the Bosch series, which is probably the oldest and most successful of Prime's original series. I also enjoyed Sprung, which follows the escapades of some petty criminals that have been released early due to the pandemic. China! That one seems like a one-and-done, though, because it's been almost two years since that first season aired. If the rumors are true about the shutdown of Freevee, well, I hope that at least Bosch Legacy makes it over to Prime, which also has commercials these days, just not as many. Well, so far. The Associated Press, that monopolistic news conglomeration, <laughs> is reporting that the once popular and informative Vice News Company is laying off, quote, several hundred staff members and is shuttering its Vice.com news site. Just another blow to the mainstream media as audience numbers fall off a cliff, and that at the same time advertising revenue declines. Vice News was one of the first so-called guerrilla news outfits that sent citizen reporters around the world to cover stories that mainstream media refused to cover. Boy, have times changed. Vice started in Montreal, Canada as an alternative magazine co-founded back in the 1990s by three people, 
one of which was ex-punk rocker and canceled commentator Gavin McInnes. Vice expanded after relocating to New York in 1996 with McGinnis leaving in 2008. The company peaked around 2018 with bureaus around the world and a fat contract to produce content for HBO. Vice now was part of the mainstream media and after an investment by the odious George Soros Fund, it took a hard left in its reporting. The company declared bankruptcy in 2023 and shed most of its properties, concentrating on the Vice.com website. I lost interest in Vice many years ago when I realized that the reporting was becoming aligned with the agenda-driven mainstream media. I've heard that most reporting on Vice.com these days concerned trans issues. I don't know for sure because I never consumed any news from the website. Vice alumni and ultra-successful YouTuber Tim Pool floatingly stated that Vice was yet another victim of the get-woke-go-broke phenomena, which is currently playing out these days. Why does the news media seem to be bewildered about their current decline? No matter how much money or government legislation they get passed, it won't fix this. Trust has been lost, and it will be very hard for them to earn it back, if at all. I finally got around to watching last year's mega-hit movie, Oppenheimer. It was a good watch, but back in what you might recall being... The day, Oppenheimer would have been considered just a good movie. It wouldn't have been the runaway blockbuster it became last year. Though it was a long movie, it moved fast and really never became tedious. Following the success of Oppenheimer, perhaps Hollywood will greenlight more well-written and well-acted movies going forward. Wrong. Nah, what am I thinking? All the television series I'm currently watching continue to entertain me, even making me anxious for the next installments of them, which is a good thing. I currently watch Ghosts, Will Trent, Sexy Beast, Halo, and Masters of the Air. They're all well-written and acted, something that can't be said for the majority of programs on television these days. Note that all but Will Trent require you to watch them on a streaming service. Halo, Ghosts, and Sexy Beast are on Paramount+, Plus, with Masters of the Air being on Apple+. Plus. Podcast news. Yeah, I've had it with podcast listening app Castomatic. Three strikes and you're out, if I may use the baseball analogy. I love the user's interface and features of the app, but there are just too many bugs all the time. For example, for podcasts that have a lot of back catalog, well, I like to listen to the episodes from oldest to newest. I go into the settings of the individual podcasts and select autoplay the next episode from oldest to newest. Yeah, this will work for a while and then just stop working completely, either defaulting to the latest episode or just not playing any episodes at all. Another problem is if you want to stream an undownloaded episode, some, just some, won't play. You either get an error message or nothing happens. Even with those episodes that do play, the buffering takes forever. Even some already downloaded episodes just stop playing for some reason. I have canceled my subscription for Castomatic, and I also canceled my subscription to Podverse, whose developer just put out a statement about being overwhelmed. So I resubscribe to Pocket Casts. What? Even though that app subscription price has more than doubled and it's not a Podcast 2.0 compliant app. At least Pocket Casts advanced features work and I've never had a problem with it. I want to have at least one Podcast 2.0 compliant app laying around, so most likely that will be Podcast Guru. That is, unless I can find another app that's both reasonable in price and bug-free. Now, all these apps I've been mentioning over these episodes do have free tiers. You don't have to subscribe to them, but I believe in supporting these developers. Also, none of these podcast listening applications are bad, 
I'm just particular about them because podcasts are my main form of entertainment. If you're a casual listener of podcasts, any of these apps will be fine for you. Heck, even Apple's own podcast app will be fine. Have you ever heard of or used a messaging app called IMO? I think it's pronounced that way. It's spelled I-M-O. If the I is pronounced as an E, though, the resulting word would translate into the Thai word for female genitalia. <laughs> ah, I'm getting off track here. I used IMO back in my Nokia days because it was a cross-platform app back then. It's been around forever and I guess still has many users. I bring IMO up because the Messenger has teamed up with podcast hosting and distribution company Podio, which, by the way, is the largest in the Middle East and North Africa, to bring podcasts to its messaging platform. Well, this is the first partnership of this type that I've ever heard of. So if you host your podcast on Patio, it will automatically distribute your show to Emo. In my opinion, this is a great idea and will give podcasts a wider audience reach. I wonder if any Western podcast hosting services will take a cue from Patio and do the same. Would you want to see your messenger of choice feature podcasts on it? I'm almost finished with the entire last season of the Wolf 359 podcast I've been talking about so much lately. This is a good thing because once I'm finished, I can get back to listening to the latest episodes of Haunted, the audio drama, the Strata, and the Magnus Protocol. Wolf 359 is an excellent podcast, and I would like to hear a continuation or a follow-up to this show. The Strata and Haunted continue to be great, but the Magnus Protocol, which I highly anticipated... It's taking its time getting going, in my opinion. I hope it's worth the wait. Except for the No Agenda podcast, I really haven't been listening to anything else as I kicked the habit of being a news junkie. I feel much better being only partially informed about what's going on versus monitoring the internet for the latest updates all the time. What this means for my old Straight From The Desk podcast, which was a moneymaker for me, I don't know yet. What I'm thinking of doing instead is having a sort of OFNT bulletin when tech news stories break. It would just be a short-form show that would give the basic details of the story and report it on more in-depth on the weekly OFNT podcast. What do you think? The music has started playing as a chilly night falls on Monkey Stave, signaling that you made it through another episode of the OFNT podcast. And for that, you have my gratitude. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you really like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. I really would. Remember... Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Hey, who invited you into the gated community of Monkey Stave? You don't belong here, so get off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.